0: I'm so glad that everyone is here today. I'm so glad to see you. We are finishing up our series on the Father Heart of God and um, I'm really excited and really privileged to be able to share with you guys for the next few minutes. Um, You know, when I was a kid, I actually grew up, I was born into a Christian home and I grew up in a Christian home. My dad and my mom, they actually were children's pastors and they had a huge Children's ministry, it actually um, met at a different location than than the church building. It was like across the town from the church building, and they would do these outreaches, and there was hundreds of kids that came every week. And so that's what I grew up in. And it was wild, and it was crazy. There was puppets. Um, I remember one year, my dad, he always went to the extreme with the kids. So he brought in, he was trying to bring in a donkey. It was Palm Sunday. And he had this great plan. He wanted to bring in this donkey. And so he gets outside, he goes outside the building, and he's, he's like trying to get the donkey to come inside, and it wouldn't because it was a donkey, right? So the donkey would not go in the building. So finally he runs and he's like, okay, everyone come outside. (laughs) So we all went outside and we we saw the donkey, but it was um, a lot of fun. And, um, but growing up in that environment, um, I always saw my dad, he always was inviting people to church. Always. I remember I am, I got hurt I had to go to the hospital, and and afterwards, my dad, he took me to McDonald's, and we're sitting at McDonald's, and we're sitting at this weird table, it's like a little kid table, but Ronald is like that. You know, smiling in his hands or the table, which now I'm like, that's so creepy, right? And I'm sitting at this tiny table, and I can't even eat my food because I had I'd messed up my, my mouth. So, And my dad is squishing my hamburger smaller and smaller so that I can try to get it in my mouth. And these kids came over, and they're like, hi, Mr. David, you know, and they knew him. And, and just anywhere we went. Kids and their parents, they always knew who my dad was because he was always inviting people to church, and they all knew who he was, and that's just how I grew up, and so as a child, that's what I always did too, I was always inviting people to church, and so I remember this one day, Um, my dad, he, he worked, he didn't work at the church, he actually worked construction, so he would work really long hours, and he would come home, and he was usually really tired, right? He had a manual labor job. Well, one day, I had these friends. They were our neighbors. They were over at our house, and we were playing in my room. My dad wasn't home from work yet, and um, it was so cool, because these friends, I'd kind of talked to them about church before. They never had been interested. Well, this day, they were really interested, and they were asking me questions. I was telling them about how cool our church was. I was talking to them about Jesus. I was just, like, witnessing to these kids, and it was awesome. The other thing that we were doing while we were having this conversation is we were actually standing on the doorknobs of our doors in our room. So we had these two doors, and one was to the closet, one was to the door to the room, and they both were open, so they were kind of near each other, and we had actually stood up, so one foot on each doorknob, and we were pushing each other back and forth, so opening and closing the doors, and, but talking to them all the while about the Lord, and so I am just like ecstatic, you know, also I'm having a lot of fun, this is like literally swinging on the chandeliers, Right? When they say that about your kids, your kids are swinging on the chandeliers. We didn't have chandeliers, so I was swinging on the doorknobs. And, and I'm so excited because I can't believe, you know, they are opening up. They're going to come to church. They're going to become Christians. And I'm so excited. And I remember my dad walking into the room, and he was the kind of guy, he hardly ever raises his voice. He hardly ever gets mad, right? That's, that was my mom's job. And, and, but he, I mean, he hardly ever would raise his voice. He comes in, and his face just drops. And I'm thinking, here comes my dad. He's going to be so proud of me. He is going to be so proud of me. These people are almost Christians right now. He's going to be so proud. And so, and so I see his face, and it just drops. And he gets so mad. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm bringing converts into Christianity, right? And he's like, what are you doing? Get down. And he's getting so mad and he's telling me, I can't believe you're doing this. You know better. And he's telling me all these things and I'm getting in trouble and I'm embarrassed, right? Because I'm getting in trouble in front of my friends. And they immediately probably ran home. (laughs) That's what you do when you're a kid and and your friend gets in trouble. You're like, I heard my mom calling and you leave, right? But they run home and my dad, he's just, he's so mad at me and he's frustrated. And he tells me, you know, you know better. You're going to break the doors. What are you doing? All these things. And I I can't believe he's mad. I'm just staring at him like, I can't believe you're mad at me about this because I thought he was going to be so proud of me in that moment. And you know, we had a miscommunication, right? Our perspectives were not the same on the situation. My dad, he was coming home from work. He's probably really tired. He's coming home and seeing his daughter (laughs) breaking the house, right? Creating more work for him. And that's what I thought. In my head, I thought, all my dad cares about is money. All he cares about is that I'm breaking the house when he should be cared about, care about these people's souls, you know? And that's what I thought about as a, as a little kid. But our perspectives, they, they weren't right. They weren't matching up. We had, we, I wasn't understanding him and he wasn't understanding me. And you know, Jake, last week when he, we talked about the father heart of God, and he talked about the, was it five or seven? Five. Five um, gifts that as fathers we can give, not we, not me, but we can give to our children. And, and it was so beautiful. And one of the things he said was, God reveals himself in the Bible as a father. But if our earthly father was less than perfect, it can skew our view of God our father, right? And, and my dad and my view in that moment, it was skewed. We didn't have the same view. And so today I want to talk to you guys just for the next few minutes about our view of our father, and so um, I have five different ways that we can view our father God. Because our earthly father, right, sometimes they're not perfect. Sometimes they're amazing. But still, no matter what, our fathers are never perfect. And so how we relate to our earthly father really does shape the way that we relate to God. And sometimes we don't even know that it is. And it, this 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 um, father heart, right, viewing God as our father is so important. It's so important because it's it's how God loves us. And so we want to be able to receive his love. And so the first thing that I wrote down, different views of your father, is maybe your father was absent. And so maybe you view God as an absent father. He's so far up there. He's not really interested in my life. He doesn't really care about the day in, day out things of what I'm doing, of what's going on, right? He's just far away. And, you know, I see, I see other people, and they have a good relationship with God, but that's just not for me, right? Right? That's not for me. He's, he doesn't really care about me. That's an that's a easy view for us to, to have of our Father God. The second one is um, approving. Always trying to get the approval of your dad. You know, I had a great dad, but for whatever reason in my life, I was always trying to get his approval. Always. I didn't know I already had his approval, right? Right? But for me, for whatever reason, I was always trying to get him to notice me. I was always trying to get him to approve of me. And we can do the same thing with God. Where we're always trying to get God to approve of us. We're always trying to get him to accept us. Well, if I read my Bible, the whole thing in a year, then God will accept me. Well, if I, if I pray seven hours a day, right? Well, if I go to church and I never miss, well, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this. And when we don't do those things, we feel like God is rejecting us. Right? Well, I, I forgot to read my Bible for five days straight. God is rejecting me. God is mad at me. I should hide from him. It's so easy for us to to, to mess up our view of God if we for not viewing him the right way. The third one is angry. Maybe maybe your dad was an angry dad. Maybe he lashed out in anger. Maybe he screamed, maybe he yelled, whatever, but maybe you view God that way. Maybe, you know, you always think, I got I to gotta do it right, because otherwise God gets mad. I got to do it right. When bad things happen in my life, God is getting mad at me. God's going to come down. God's going to see me. God's going to see what I'm doing, and he's going to get angry at me, right? That's, that's not the way God is, but that's a way that we can view him. The fourth one is ask it. Maybe, maybe God for you is like a sugar daddy, right? And so you, you really only go to God when you need something. That's an easy one to fall into, huh? God is the one, He's the maker of the universe, right? He holds the whole world in His hands. And so, man, He's got stuff. (laughs) And He should give it to me when I need it, right? And it's easy to fall into that, that I really only relate to God. I really only talk to God when I'm in trouble. I really only talk to God when I need help. I really only talk to God when my life's a screw up mess, screwed up mess, right? I really only talk to God when I cannot pay my bills. There's been times in my life where, where I felt pretty guilty because I'm like, God, I need your help on this. And I'm like, you know, yesterday I wasn't really that devout. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yesterday I'm really feeling devout because I really need you to step in and help me. And, and, and that's a view of God that's not right. But the last one is Abba. And that's how God wants us to view him. You know, this word, Abba, it's a um, Greek. No, is it Greek? yeah Greek word was pretty sure it Greek Whew. okay it's a it 's a Greek word in in the Bible. the first time it was used was in mark jesus he is is praying to God, right and Jesus, we know Jesus is God he 's also god 's son it 's also very confusing, but Jesus is the fullness of God incarnate in, into a man, right, and so he was fully God, he was fully man, He walked on the earth with us, not us, but with humans, but he he walked with us on the earth. And he's the first one. He's praying to God, and he calls him Abba. And this is a really interesting term because it was the term that meant father or it meant my father. It was very personal. It was extremely personal. And and throughout the Bible, we haven't seen anyone refer to God this way yet. Referred to him as my father. And then in the New Testament, Paul, he refers to God as Abba two more times. And so we see that we are supposed to relate to God as our father. That he's not supposed to be a faraway God. Or he's not just supposed to be this all-powerful being. But he also wants to be our father. And, and you know, it's so hard. I think it's so interesting that God wanted to reveal himself as father. Because he gives us fathers. And so we already have sometimes a tough relationship with our father. But God, he wanted to show you this is what a perfect father is. None of us have a perfect father. We can have a pretty close, right? Pretty great. But none of us have a perfect father except in God. He's the perfect father. And so um, in Luke 15, I want to read you guys a story. Luke 15, verse 11 through 24, and it's a few verses, but you guys, I think, can bear with me. It says, and he said, there was a man, this is Jesus, he's telling a story. He said, and there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? Worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Jesus, he tells this story. There's a big crowd gathered, and he tells this story of of a father. And why did he he tell it? Because he's giving us a picture of what God is like. In this story, the father represents God, and the prodigal, the son, represents us. And there's a few things in this story that I think are so so just amazing that I want to talk about for the next few minutes, of how God shows his love for us. You know, this son, he he comes to his dad and he, and he says, I want my inheritance. Right? I mean the audacity. You know, I've heard I've heard a lot of different people speak on this story and it's not a true story, right? It's it's a story that that Jesus made up to show a point. But I've heard different people talk about like the dad wasn't dead. Right? We usually get our inheritance after someone has passed away. And yet this son comes to his dad and says, "Hey, sell 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 whatever you need to, to give me my money now. Right? And so the father in this story has to put out some effort. He has to shift some things around in order to give his son the inheritance. And yet he does. And then what does the son do? He immediately leaves the father, right? He, his heart is really shown that he doesn't even want to be with him. He leaves and he goes somewhere else. And then it says he squanders all of the money. Oh, Imagine, I've squandered money. Have you guys, anyone squandered money? I remember being a a teenager and, you know, having your first job, and you just squander every little bit that you make. And you're like, man, I got a job so I could have money, but I never have any money, right? Because you're just squandering it all the time. But that's what this boy does. He takes the inheritance. He doesn't value it. He squanders it. He gets rid of it. And then all those friends he had when he had money, suddenly they're gone. Right? So they weren't really very good friends, and he's all alone. And so he goes, and he he gets a job feeding pigs. And he's so desperate. He's so hungry that the pig's food looks good. Right? My daughter, she's four, and she asks lots of questions right now about the world and, you know, how things work and what does this do and what does that do. Today they were talking about the moon, and Jack, he's two. He was, like, talking to himself, or the moon. I'm not sure. But he was saying, he was in the car, and he was going, oh, you moon. Why are you hiding, you moon? And I was like, I don't know what's going on back there. But then Evie goes, that's not the moon. That's the Earth's crust. (laughs) No, but she asks all these questions right now. And the other day she was asking me, she goes, Mom, what do pigs eat? And I said, anything. (laughs) Pigs, they basically they eat garbage. And she was eating a banana. And she goes, like, they'd eat this banana. I was like, yeah, they'd eat the peel. And she's like, No, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, they would eat like anything, like garbage, like our garbage, they would get into it and eat it, you know, that's what this man, this son, that's what he wanted to eat, oh man, that pig's food's looking good, that's how hungry he is, you know, a a, a lot of us in, in American culture, right, we throw away tons of food, we throw away leftovers, we're like, it's been in here for two days, it smells like the refrigerator. I can't eat it anymore. This guy was so hungry, right? He, he was eating. He wanted to eat the pig's garbage. And, and he comes to himself. I love that verse. He says, he came to himself. It's like he remembered. In verse 17, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. And he realizes, you know, I've, I've messed up. I've messed up my life. And, and I did the unthinkable. I took all my dad's money and I lost it, right? But maybe, just maybe, my dad would let me come back and be a servant. I know I can't be a son, but maybe he would let me come back and be a servant. And the first thing here, the first point that I have is the son had to recognize his need for his father. He had to realize, man, I need my dad. In the same way in our life, we have to recognize, I need my father, God. We have to come to a point in our life where we realize and recognize, I need him. I need you, God. I don't, I don't just need you when I, when I can't pay my bills. I don't just need you when I have a problem. But I need you all the time. Yeah. I need my father. I need to be close to him. I need to live in his house. He had to recognize his need for his father. The second thing is that he had to physically move back towards his father, right? It wasn't enough for him to just sit there in the farm with the pigs and say, man, I really need my dad. He had to literally be like, I'm going to do something about it and start walking towards his dad, right? He had to, he had to initiate that relationship. He had to start moving back towards his dad. His dad wasn't out in the city trying to find him. And I think that's really interesting that God, he, he isn't out in the city trying to find you. Right? Why? Because God is a gentleman. He's never going to come and try to take over your life. I, you have to serve me. Right? God wants us to choose to be with him. He wants us to choose to be in his house. And, and so the son, he, he had to physically start moving back towards his father. And then it says, In verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, I love this. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I I love this part of the story. We see a picture of this dad, and he's looking, and he's waiting, and he's wondering, where's my son? Will my son ever come home? Will my son come back, right? Imagine what this boy looked like. He wouldn't have looked the same as when he left. When he left, he had the good clothes, right? He, 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 or maybe he had the farmer clothes, whatever it is. But he looked differently. He'd been in the city. He'd been gone a long time. And, and so he probably, his clothes were probably torn. His clothes were probably worn. He didn't have his mom to wash him, right? So who knows what he did? <laughs> I just bought to buy new ones, <laughs> But he, he, he didn't even look the same. And yet the father, from a long way off, recognized him. Knew, that's my son. That's my son. And, and so my, my third point says the father saw him. I love this because God sees you. God so sees me. He doesn't just see me the way that I see me. He doesn't see me the way my husband sees me. Thank God he doesn't see me the way my kids see me. Right? servant mom or whatever they see me as. Thank God he doesn't see me that way. But he sees me. He sees everything I've ever done in the past. He sees everything I'll ever do in the future. He sees where I've messed up. He sees where I I can't quite make it. Right? He sees those fears. And God sees you. He sees you better than you see yourself. I love in Psalms 139, it says, before I was even in my mother's womb. You knew me. You knit me together. That's incredible. That's the God that we serve, that he sees you. He knows you better than you know yourself. There's probably times in our life we all had them where you go, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Or why did I do that? Or why do I feel this way? Or why have I messed up again? And we don't know ourselves, right? We don't even fully understand why we do the things we do, but God knows you. And God sees you. And the father, he saw his son. And the last thing, this is my funny point. We were laughing about it earlier. But number four, he kissed him. It says there in in the verse, in verse 20, he saw him a long way off. He felt compassion. He ran. Imagine that. God ran. The father ran and felt compassion Embraced him and kissed him. And in Greek, the word that they use here is actually kata, K-A-T-A. And in Greek, that means much. So it actually means that, that the dad kissed the son much. He didn't just kiss him once. He kissed him over and over and over and over. Why? Because that amount of love was covering all of that fear that that son had. All of that sadness that that son had. All of that regret that that son had. God was kissing him. The dad was kissing him with every kiss saying, you're my son, you're my son, you're my son. And the son, he came and he said, all I can be is a servant. He has to stop his dad from kissing him. And he says, all I can be is a servant. I know I've messed up. Can I just be a servant? And I love that the dad ignores him. And calls the servants and says, get me the best robe. Get me the best ring and kill Bessie. <laughs> We're throwing a party. For my son was dead, but now he's alive. My son was lost, but now he is found. That is the father heart of God for you. It's not. It's not us always trying to get His approval. It's not not us just calling on Him when we need something. It's not Him being angry at us all the time, and it's not Him not never being around. It's him as the father waiting, waiting for us to come to him and saying, can I be your son? I'm back. Can I be your son? You know, Spurgeon, he has an amazing quote that I love. I probably think about it once a week. (laughs) I'm not kidding, but it pops in my head because it's so beautiful. It says, slow are the steps of repentance but swift are the feet of forgiveness. God can run where we can scarcely limp. And if we are limping towards him, he will run towards us. Man, when I've done something wrong, I'm slow. I'm slow to say sorry. I'm slow to say I was wrong. I'm slow to wonder if God will still love me. But swift are the feet of forgiveness. The father ran to his son when he saw, that's my son. He was delighted.